Well, that guy has a lot of energy, doesn't he? Good morning. Like, like uh, my dad said, my name is Wilson. I'm uh, one of the young adult pastors here, the young adult coordinators. And I'm happy to tell you guys about some of the stuff that um, has been happening here with the young adult ministry lately. Last night, we had our first house group celebration service. So house group is the young adult ministry here. And we actually meet in houses twice a week on Thursday and Friday nights. Just recently started Thursday night group. We started last May, May 2013, and we've just been growing a lot. So we felt like, okay, we got to start a second house to accommodate these numbers. And on Thursday night, we had 44 people there. And on Friday night, we had 65 different people there. So it's really exciting. And yeah, you can clap for that. So it's just cool to be a part of what God is doing and the uh, kind of redemption he's working in a lot of people's lives. And yeah, what he's doing all throughout Cincinnati, not just in the young adults, but just in this church body at large. That's a result of our joining with the vineyard and it's a kind of a splash over effect. So really quick, I just want to read you guys a testimony of a girl who came on Friday night for the first time to the group. This is past Friday night. She posted this on our Facebook page. She said, just in case anyone wants to know, My neck, back, hip, knee pain, and migraines are still gone, and I still feel the shivers and tingles going down my neck from the Holy Spirit, healing my pain tonight at house group. Jesus is so amazing. Thank you so much again to the ones who prayed for me tonight, and for your boldness and faith. I can't tell you how grateful I am. This is the really cool part. I can't tell you how grateful I am to finally be able to sleep soundly tonight with no pain. So that's that's like our mission. That's our, that's the normal Christian life is to bring that kind of healing and love into people's lives where they can sleep for the first time without any pain. So kind of, um, coming off of the freedom project, we're starting a new series entitled the gospel of the kingdom. The reason we're doing this is we felt it'd be a good launch, launch point from how awesome and how just abundantly we saw God provide during the Freedom Project to bring us just as a church body into a fresh look at the gospel and what that really means for us. So to start off, I just want to put some solid weight under the word gospel and what this word itself means. I'm going to be talking a little bit about Greek right now. So just so you guys know, I'm not a Greek scholar and I'm not an expert by any means, but I know people who, who do have expertise in that field and that's where I got this information and, and learned this. So the word gospel comes from a Greek word, eungelion. And eungelion is a, has two roots, is a two-part root. And the first part is you, the second part is angelos. So you means to be well off or to prosper, to fare well. And angelos means like a message or a messenger, an envoy. And it's actually literally where we get our English word angel from. So when you put those together, the word gospel means good news. It's a good proclamation. It's a good announcement of something exciting that has happened or is happening. And that's exactly what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. That's what the gospel of the kingdom is. It's the greatest news that anyone will ever hear. And it brings peace, joy, hope, and comfort to anyone who hears it and receives it. 
So in this series, we're not trying to redefine the gospel or take some new, cute, radical take on it. That's make everybody think, oh, I never knew what the gospel was. We just want to go back at it with a fresh look as our hearts are really fresh and ready to hear this. And it's so crucial for us to have a fresh and current perspective on it so that we can reach others with a fresh, real take on the gospel. So going back to this idea of good news, I'm take a drink of water really quick. Going back to this idea of good news, we all know what that's like to be waiting to hear news or hear an announcement. Is anybody a, a fan of football in here, NFL fan? So most of you guys know that this weekend is the NFL draft. And as these guys, these young college players are waiting to get a phone call from whatever team, they're waiting for good news. They're waiting to hear a good announcement saying you've been drafted. Probably the best, some of the best news they're ever going to hear in their life. Lots of you guys know Smith Dubay. Smith is our youth pastor. And Smith and his wife, Sarah, last weekend had a baby. So all weekend, we were waiting and anticipating. When is he going to be born? You know, is he healthy? What are you guys going to name him? They were, they were putting the different name options on Facebook and letting people choose. And they, they chose Dolan. Let's look at a picture of new, new Dolan. So that's a cute guy. But that's good news. They were hearing good news that they had a healthy son. And we all got to share in that good news as well. To tell you a little, bit more, a little bit more about myself, I just finished my sophomore year at the University of Cincinnati, and I'm studying Arabic and international affairs. So to give you a little background on why I'm studying Arabic, I have just a real uh, love and passion for the Middle East and for the people of the Middle East, specifically Muslims. I have just a real love for Muslims, and I have some of my closest friends are actually Muslims, and some of the most fruitful um, relationships that have blessed my life have been with some of my close Muslim friends. So as I just have this passion for Arabs in the Middle East, I felt like, hey, it's a good idea to learn Arabic. So I decided to study it. Um, Arabic is a real challenge. It's any, any new language you're going to learn is going to really stretch you and um, kind of take you places you didn't know you could go. Arabic, I would say, is especially, is especially true to that. But I, I made this standard for myself that I want to get an A every semester in Arabic. So I just completed my fourth semester. And all three semesters before that, I had gotten an A. So I've been just working really hard and being successful. Well, this past semester, I kind of hit a brick wall with Arabic. It was much harder than any other semester. I was struggling constantly. And even my grades were reflecting this. It was getting to the point where I wasn't even thinking about getting an A. I was just, okay, I got to pass the class. So I'm really working my tail off. And it comes to exam week, just about two weeks ago, final exams. And I'm studying, 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 just working really hard. Thinking, okay, got to pass the class, do your best. And it uh, comes to exam week and I take the final exam. I feel pretty good about it. But just to the point where I'm like, okay, I think I'm going to definitely pass the class. Maybe I'll get a B. But still, I'm eagerly waiting then for about a week from the post the, post the grade online. I'm waiting, okay, what's my grade going to be? What did I get? How did I do? So I'm checking back like multiple times a day, refreshing the page, you know, waiting. I want to see what my grade is. I want to see what my grade is. Well, finally, I post the grade and I got an A. And so this was good news for me. 
This was an encouraging, positive announcement. This, was, this really excited me, and it was, yeah, it was good news. Well, as I was preparing my message, I really felt like this experience I had was a kind of a reflection of a lot of people's um, hearts and minds that were going to be in this room this morning. I felt like the Lord was saying to me that just like you were anxiously waiting to hear about your grade, there's people here this morning that are anxiously waiting to hear good news. And they're waiting to hear some lasting good news. I think a lot of the stuff um, that we hear about, it can be good for a while, but it fades. Or something new comes or a new problem comes after it. Well, I'm here to tell you guys that I have good news for you. I have really good news. And that good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel of the kingdom. It brings hope and joy and fulfillment into your life like nothing else can. So we're going to take a look right now at what this gospel is. Just this, this series we're going to be doing throughout the rest of the summer, Gospel of the Kingdom. We're going to start right now by laying a really clear foundation about what the Bible says the gospel message is. So we're going to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. And every time you see the words good news, just replace it in your mind with the word the gospel. Because that's exactly what it means. So it says... Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news, gospel, I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. All right, we're going to pause right there, and I just want to explain what, what Paul means by this statement. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. What Paul, Paul's the writer of this book, Corinthians. He's one of the apostles, and he's actually an author of a large majority of the New Testament. What Paul's talking about here are false gospels that are being teached. And he's saying, if you believed and you put your trust or hope in one of these false gospels, you're not really in the kingdom and you're not really saved. So the purpose for him is to clarify this. Um, An example of one of these false gospels would be, one of these untrue teachings that was going around was that Jesus wasn't really divine, but that he was just a good teacher. He was a really nice guy, and he had some good rules and some maybe even revolutionary thinking, but ultimately he was just like he was just a man like us. Kind of equating him to being like Confucius or Buddha. So that's untrue. And if you put your hope in that, if you don't put your hope in the fact that Jesus is divine, then you're totally missing the point. So let's go on and see what what Paul says the point is. In verse 3, he says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and raised and was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. So Paul's making it pretty, pretty clear here what the gospel is. Jesus came and died for our sins was buried, and then rose from the dead. And he is alive today. He's alive and active today. Now, it's not so much about believing that these events occurred as much as believing in the person who these events happened to, who lived through these events. It's about putting your faith and trust and hope in Jesus, who died for our sins and then was risen from the dead and now is alive currently. 
we, um, you know, just coming off of Easter, we think we talk a lot about the crucifixion and how God, Father God, sent his son here to earth to die for us. And then the, you know, the really good part, what we actually celebrate on Easter is that he rose from the dead. So that's, yeah, I mean, that's really good news. Sometimes though, at least for myself, I can kind of skip over the crucifixion part and go right to him rising from the dead. The word crucifixion is actually the word we get excruciating from. That's where that word comes from because of how excruciating and horrible the death crucifixion is. Yeah, I don't want to be like overly graphic or anything, but during crucifixion, when you're nailed to the cross, this first arm would be, be nailed. And then when the second arm was nailed, both of your shoulders would dislocate and your wingspan would grow about nine inches. After being on the cross for a short amount of time, your wrists would dislocate also. And your rib cage and your lungs would start to push forward. And every time to get a breath, Jesus would have to push on the nails that are in between his legs and push up and just take a breath and then fall back down. So the point being that Jesus really suffered for us. He, it, wasn't, it, was no, it wasn't no big deal. It was, it was serious. He, he went through more pain than anybody, any of us will ever experience. And he did it just for us. Does that, that raises a question in my mind. Why? Why would he do that for us? What's the motivation to endure such pain and agony for me and for you? Well, the answer, the answer is, is pretty simple. And it's one of the core messages of the Bible. But before I get to that, I want to shed like a kind of a little bit of new light on this whole idea of God the Father sending the Son. So we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, the triune God. They're in heaven together and they're in council and they're devising a plan. They're trying to figure out how are we going to get man back to us? He's fallen out of his right relationship with us and he's disobeyed us, but we want him to be back in relationship with us. um, God, the son, Jesus, he said, I'll go. I'll go down to earth for them. Knowing what's going to happen to me, what I just described to you, all the pain and suffering of the cross, Jesus said, I'll go. And the Holy Spirit said, okay, I'll come and empower you. I'll power you with the love that you can be motivated to do this. Like I, like I was just saying, this really is kind of mind-boggling. I'm just like, why? Why would he do this for us? What, is, what could possibly be the intent? The answer is God loves us. God loves us so much that he would, Jesus loves us so much he would come down here and die for us. And this is not only just a main theme of the Bible in general, but this is really the core driving force of the gospel itself. This is what the gospel of the kingdom is all about, that God loves us. So for the rest of the, um, the message, I really want to focus on that and the, how Jesus loves us. And even to the end of, end of my message, I'm going to give a chance for everybody to come down and do what we call just a quick drive-by prayer, where there's going to be teams up here in the front And you can just come down and they're just going to lay their hand on you for two seconds and say, just be filled with the Lord's love in Jesus' name. So just kind of prepare for that. That's going to happen later. So Smith and Sarah, they love Dolan. Smith, the youth pastor I mentioned earlier, who just had the new baby, Dolan, they love him. My parents, they love me. I have have three older siblings and two of them have children. So I have two nieces and there's actually another on the way right now. 
But my oldest brother, I still remember when he had his, his first daughter, when Phoebe was born. I remember what it was like to hold her and for this new love to well up inside of me that I had never experienced before. It just came out of nowhere. It was not something that I was trying to do or that um, I even knew existed, but this love just came up in me. I felt, I'll do anything for her. I'll do anything for you. Out of nowhere, just this love rises in me. Now, anybody in here who has kids, they know what that feeling's like, or who has a niece or a nephew. And I'd also really, I also really hope that everyone in this room knows what it's like to experience love or um, to love others. But I also recognize the fact that maybe that's not the case. And that's why the real emphasis today is that God's love is stronger than any other love. And you can have real experiences with God's love. It's not just something up in your mind that you have to kind of like believe and say, yes, that's happening. But really, he wants to come down and physically show us that he loves us. So Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This could be easy. Like I was just saying, this is easy for us to maybe write off. I've never experienced it, so I'm not sure if it's really true. It's hard for me to understand. Or I've never actually, yeah, I've never had an experience with this love. Well, in preparation for that time of the end where we're going to be praying for people, I want to lay down kind of a framework for one of the main ways we experience God's love. And the way I experience His love. And to set that up, I want to say that we are made in God's image. We are made in His likeness. This means that the very fact we love is a reflection of the nature of what created us. We are able to love because God loves. Some, an unloving God wouldn't create things that could love. The fact that we have the ability to love and that we love others shows us about God's heart. At a core level, the Father's heart is that he loves. And that he loves everyone in this room. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. That means the world, everybody. Literally in the Greek, that word cosmos means the entire world, everything. About, about a, two years ago, Luke and I, Luke's the other guy that does young adults here, were running into a speedway. We were filling up gas and we were going in to get slushies or something like that. And as soon as I walked in, I noticed a friend from high school working the cash, working the cash register. His name is D'Antone. And D'Antone is someone that I had been fairly close with in middle school and high school, but had just pretty much totally lost contact with after we graduated. Hadn't seen him in three or four years. And I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when I see somebody that I don't know, I don't really feel like shooting the breeze with them and playing memory lane and catching up. I kind of just want to act like I didn't see them and get past them. So when I walk in there, just, you know, like a loving, good Christian guy, I just took a quick turn and walked right away from him and walked to the back and grabbed a bag of chips, whatever I was buying. And then I uh, start walking back to the cash register and I realize, oh yeah, he's the cashier. I'm going to have to talk to him no matter what. So as, you know, smart as I thought I was being, I wasn't. And as I'm walking towards him with no desire to engage in conversation, hoping he won't even recognize me, I look up and we make eye contact and this love just wells up inside of me for him. Not from myself. All of a sudden I just feel this love come up in me for him. I just looked at him and I had compassion on him and compassion for him. 
and Luke and I began to just talk to him and he remembered us and he said, yeah, it's so great to see you. We got to hear about everything going on in his life. And he really just starts pouring his heart out to us and telling us the things that are going on. Like his girlfriend was pregnant at the time and he was in some financial struggles and he was just really worried. How am I going to provide for my family? You know, I'm just 20 years old or however old he was at the time. So he was really nervous. And this opened the door for us to pray for him and really get to minister to him. And Luke got like a prophetic word for him that just really encouraged and rocked him. And when I say a prophetic word, all I mean is that something that God was speaking to Luke about D'Antone, something positive about D'Antone. And he shared this with D'Antone and it just, it, yeah, it made his day. Like we walked out and he was glowing. So as we were walking out, I was just thinking and reflecting, you know, what happened in there? I was, I was trying to avoid him. And when I saw him, this love just came up in me for him. And I realized that was the Holy Spirit's love. That was God's love rising up in me for D'Antone. The same love that inspired Jesus to come down and die for us and suffer for us had just risen up in me for someone else. And it's in you guys too. That's how powerful the Lord's love is. Just, just take that in really quick that the same love that is in us and that we feel for others is the love that motivated Jesus to die for us. That's powerful. That makes us powerful people with a powerful love. I'm sure that everybody in this room has, or I think most people in this room have probably experienced something similar to me where you saw someone you didn't know and you're trying to avoid them and you end up coming across them. Maybe you made eye contact or whatever. And all of a sudden you just had this love rise up in you. That's God's love. That's God's love flowing through you towards them. And this is the clincher. This is the really cool part. How God feels about other people is also how he feels about you. The same love that God has for those around you, he has directed at you. Not only does God want us to experience his love for others, but he also wants to experience us to experience his love for us. I would say even primarily so. If we're not experiencing God's love for us, then we're not much good to anybody around us. We're probably not going to be super loving. So in Romans 5.5, 5, it says, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. So this word poured out, it, it'd be easy to imagine that like make, taking a cup and just dripping it out or squirting somebody with those little squirt guns. But this is, this is not what it's saying. It's more like it gushed out. Imagine standing three feet away from a fire hydrant and just getting blasted by it. Stand under a waterfall and the pressure and the power that you'd feel of all the water running down on you. That that's what it means when it says God has poured out his love into our hearts. It's a tangible, powerful thing that recharges and fuels us and establishes who we are. So there's a famous, a famous pastor, like revivalist of the 1800s named D.L. Moody. And I want to share with you guys a quote that he said about experiencing God's love. He refers to it as God's waves of liquid love. And here's what he says. I can only say that God revealed himself to me and I had such an experience with his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. I'll say that again. I can only say that God revealed himself to me 
And I had such an experience with his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. So what he's talking about is God's love was filling me and touching me so powerfully that I felt like I couldn't take it anymore. It was almost, it felt like it was too much. That's an, that's an expression of God's love towards us. He wants us to take, give us more love than we even know that we can handle. I don't know about you guys, but I'm okay with getting to the point where I can't, I feel like I can't take any more love. That sounds pretty good to me. I'm, I really want to provide both ends of the spectrum though. You know, this really powerful love that is like over, overcoming and overtaking. There's another end of the spectrum of this powerful love that brings peace. And it just brings total serenity and tranquility and comfort. Nikki Gumbel, who started the Alpha Course, who I'm sure lots of you guys have heard of, but it's a course we do here at the church that's really a basic, um, cool step-by-step guide through Christianity and what it means to be a Christian. He recounts a time he was praying for someone to experience God's love and uh, like be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so he's praying for this guy and just saying, like, Lord, come and fill him with your love. I just release the power of the Holy Spirit on him. Fill him with your love, Lord. And he stops and says, hey, what are you experiencing? Are you experiencing anything? And the guy just says, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I can't feel anything. And so Nikki says, okay, I'm going to keep praying for you. So he keeps praying for him. Again, stops, says, what are you experiencing? And he says, I can't feel anything. So a third time, Nikki keeps praying for him. And he says, okay, maybe put your hands out. Just put your hands out like you're going to receive a gift. And he says, oh, I can't do that. And he says, how come? Why not? He says, I said, I can't feel anything. <laughs> so the point being that God's love can be paralyzing. It can be so powerful that it's just a peace that rests on you that, yeah, you can't even move. God's love can show up in so many different ways. And that's, you know, that's one of the main driving forces of what we're doing during worship is we're looking to experience God's love. As we sing praises to him and as we acknowledge his heart, he reaches back down to us and touches our heart. So the real, the first step to experiencing God's love, the way to open the door to this all, the major way is to receive the gospel and to accept him and to believe him, believe Jesus for who he was and accept him into your heart. So right now, I just would like you guys to close your eyes and just bow your heads and Anybody here today who maybe has never really recognized that and never really accepted Jesus, that he died for our sins, rose from the dead, and is alive in us now. I'm just going to lead you in a short prayer that you can say in your head, you can say silently, that just recognizes that and enters you into his family. So just repeat after me in your head. Lord Jesus, I just thank you that you love me. I just welcome your presence to come into my life right now. I say that I'm sorry for all the wrong things I've ever done and that I can't do this without you. Please forgive me. And I just give you my life. You are Lord of my life. Holy Spirit, come and fill me fresh. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed that prayer, something powerful happened within you. You were literally changed on the inside. There's a, you have a new identity in Christ. And if that happened, we honestly just want to talk to you more about it and uh, encourage you more and help you get more connected and 
um, outline some of the steps for growth from here. But I mean, I'm excited. If anybody prayed that, that's so awesome. Just please come down to me after the service and we'll, uh, we'll go from there. But now we're going to go into a time where just welcome the prayer teams I asked ahead of time to come forward. And we're going to have a time now where you can come and just get a really quick prayer to be, let's, let's all stand up. I'm going to have a time now where you can come down in the front and these guys are just going to lay hands on you really briefly. And I'm going to be down here also and just say, Lord, fill, fill them with your love, fill them fresh with your love. So I'm going to pray. And then as, as you want, just come on down and they're just going to pray a quick prayer over you for you to experience God's love. So Lord, we just ask for your love to come and fill this place right now. Fill it fresh. I just release healing during worship. People with pain will be healed of pain. But um, let us just experience your love in a fresh way. In Jesus' name, amen. So come on down and they're just going to pray for you really quickly.